every now and then, yeah. When you get 350 days of sunshine a year, you tend to appreciate these things. So praise the Lord. We are going to have a fantastic service today. We're going to be spreading the good news that Jesus is alive and that he loves you. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up this morning and we are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and we will keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen today? All right, let's say it together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. All right, well, we're going to take a few minutes, just like we always do, to do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody, give them a high five, handshake, fist bump, great big hug. Make sure everybody gets a little love today. Let's go.
seem like you're a little excited to be at church today. I like that. Hey, we can do something with this. It's going to be a great day. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to get into some announcements here this morning. I don't see my wife, so I'll just go ahead and roll with this. Pray that it goes good. All right. Uh, hey, a couple of things. First of all, um, <clears throat> we have a Mrs. Adams in the house because Billy got married on Friday. There she is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So congratulations to Billy and Daryl. It was a beautiful wedding, and uh, we're just the whole church family is nothing but happy for them. So very excited uh, for their future there. Amen. All right, couple of other quick housekeeping announcements. You're probably getting tired of me going over this, but we're going to remind you we're asking no food or drink in the main sanctuary other than water. Uh, if you have to drink your latte or your mocha, just try to do it back there in the coffee bar. How's that sound this morning? Is that fair? All right, very good. I knew we could agree on that. Okay, so um, let's see here. Uh, let's go ahead and get into these other announcements. Uh, tonight is the beginning of FPU Financial Peace University. 
Amen. And so uh, that's going to be at 5.30 in Victory Hall. Child care is provided. And if you haven't registered yet, but you're interested, you can go to hdwc.org slash FPU. And uh, anybody is allowed to visit the first class, uh, you know, without even paying or registering and just, you know, see if it's something that's going to be of interest and value to you. So come on out, 5.30. Pastor Josh and Julie and, and Carl are going to be leading that. I believe. And so uh, we want to take advantage of that. And then uh, let's see here. Young adults is going to be this Thursday, young adults night. Yeah. And so this is for people in their 18 to twenties. Um, and so we're going to be getting together uh, Thursday, the 25th at 7 PM at Jesse Winston's house, right back there, Jesse. And uh, we're really excited, man. Uh, we have a lot of uh, people in this age group and they are fired up for Jesus, man. They're ready to go conquer the world. So uh, we're, we're going to really start making a good effort uh, to, uh, to take care of them. And so anyway, Thursday, 7 p.m., and we will get you the address. Uh, I don't like to announce people's home addresses over the Internet, you know, for obvious reasons. So, uh, But there is a, a sign-up sheet back there at the info booth. If you if you put your name on that, we'll for sure text you. And if you don't, uh, if you don't hear from us, just message us or call the church number, okay? And then uh, let's pass this out. We've got baby dedications coming up this coming Sunday, one week from today, baby dedications. And, uh, you know, if your child has not been dedicated, that's something that we want to be able to do for you. And so just sign up there. But that'll be one week from today, baby dedications. And it's a very special day. You can invite your family and friends and, uh, and help them to celebrate that moment with you. All right. And then we also have um, on February 2nd is Married's Night, everyone. We're having a big get-together, a big party for all the married people. Uh, that is going to be Friday, February 2nd at 6.30, free child care, okay? And so you can't say, well, there's no, uh, we don't have a babysitter. We'll give you one, okay? So free child care, and the uh, the menu is Italian food, uh, pitch-in style dinner, so just bring a dish to share. You can register uh, to make sure we get a head count, hdwc.org slash married, but we want to see you there, man. You know, we, we are a family church, and so we invest a lot of our time into making sure that your family is blessed and successful. And so that's why we put such a focus on marriage and such a focus on uh, your children and those parenting relationships, because we want to make sure that your family is healthy and strong. Who wants your family and your household to be healthy and strong, man, full of the peace of God? That's exactly what we want. All right. Well, we're going to do something very special right now. And we have a whole bunch of brand new members at High Desert Word Center. Yeah. All right. And so I think we had a, around 30 something people complete membership class and we are just thrilled about this. And so what we're going to do is when I call your name, if you could come up front and we're going to give you your certificate, just stay up here uh, even after you get your certificate and we'll take a nice group picture together. All right. So when I call your name, please come forward. Let's get Shannon Johnson. Okay, Shannon Johnson, come on up. Here she comes. All right, very good. 
And then I need Michael Cordova. Michael Cordova. All right, not here. Kayla Cordova. Come on up, Kayla. All right. Glenn Greer. Glenn Greer. Yes, we love Glenn. My man from Iowa. And I, I apologize for that joke, right? Okay, okay, it's like, all right. So, all right, Desiree Nash, Desiree Nash, come on down, all right. Then I got a sweet young man that I love so much, Anthony Size, come on down, Anthony. And so we've got a few of these guys that they took membership class as a child, but you need to take it again after you're an adult. Rayliana Garcia, Rayliana is. She's probably serving in children's church, all right. Isaiah Vasquez, Isaiah. Come on down, my man. He is our uh, uh, sound man, all right. He's the sound man uh, in training, the assistant sound man. Marissa Stroud, Marissa Stroud. Pretty sure I saw her. She's here because I saw her. Uh, Marissa, when we see you, we'll give you this. All right, Jeremiah Wilson, Jeremiah. Come on down, my man. I love to see these young guys uh, coming through membership class and making a commitment. Jeremiah is Zane. I can't say your last name. Zane, are you here? Okay. He's out. All right. He's at work today. Okay. Then we've got, uh, who else we got here? Man, I need to speed this up. There's a lot of you guys. <laughs> okay. Sharon Norton. Sharon, are you here? Oh, Marissa, come here. All right. Yeah. Nothing like getting put on blast in front of hundreds of people. All right? You're just going to stand right down there. All right, Sharon. I'm Okay. Sorry I called you the wrong name a little bit ago. <laughs> All right. Jackie. Jackie Wooten. All right. Come on down. Yeah. Very good. All right. Are you Jeremiah? Will, oh, Jackie Wooten. This is Jack. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> sorry, man. All right. Very similar names, though. Very close. All right. Julie Kirkpatrick is out of town today, I think. I saw So, All right. Kaylin. Kaylin also. She, she'll be here. She's camping. Okay. Beautiful weather for camping, by the way. All right. Sherry. Yeah, come on out, Sherry. All right. Sherry, Sherry. And then the man, the myth, the legend, Sheldon Allen. Come on down, my friend. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I just like playing with this guy. He's funny. All right. Melissa. Melissa is a Sunday PM attender, so she'll be here tonight. Priscilla Fernandez. Priscilla. Come on down. All right. And then... We got uh, JT right behind her. All right, come on, JT. Fernandez, all right. Very good. And then uh, Danielle Allen. Danielle, come on down. All right. Juliet Figueroa. Juliet Figueroa. She's upstairs. Okay, she's serving upstairs. Heather Cruz. This is a strange name to see on this list. <laughs> She's been a leader in the church for like 10 years, but she took membership class when she was like 16. And so we said, hey, you got to do it again to make this legal. So, all right. You know, <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Welcome. I think you'll like this church. Okay. And then Tina, Tina Young, Tina. There she is. All right. Very good. Okay, everybody. Well, um, praise the Lord. This is 
All of you that are here, I have no idea that we can get a group photo of this, but, you know, let's just do what we can here, somebody. All right, very good. Oh, oh there we go. Let's just do it that way. Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. YouTube can catch it, and we'll just... Uh, sorry, I'm not going to put that much effort in. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's hear it for everybody this morning, guys. Thank you so much. All right, you guys are officially members and a part of the HDWC family. Thank you guys so much. You can be seated this morning. I'm not, we could do a group photo. That's going to take too long, you know. All right, praise the Lord. Well, that is awesome. We're excited to have all these people officially be a part of the church family and uh, make this commitment to the Lord and to each other. All right, and we've finally got one last group of people that we want to welcome. If you are with us today for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, we have a welcome gift for you, and we would just love to say welcome to High Desert Word Center. If you could slip your hand up if this is your first time or first time in a long time, our welcome team, Heather, uh, would love to welcome you with us today. All right, anybody? I know I saw some of you, but all right, praise the Lord. Yeah, we got one up here. Come on, right over here. Yeah. This brother's been watching us on the internet and is here with us in person today. So that makes me excited. Amen. All right. If you could fill out that info card and turn it into the info booth at the end, they've got a Dutch Brothers gift card for you. And I mean, just the hottest coffee mug you're ever going to see. It is pure fire. It has our church logo. So whatever. Okay. Very good. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yeah. Oh, I forgot one thing. You're right. I'm sorry. I told Summer, I, I gave her my word, that um, we are going to be doing a, an Easter production this year uh, on Resurrection Sunday. And so uh, Miss Summer is going to be in charge of that. Hey, Colin, uh, we're going to just, we're, we're passing this around. If you are interested in potentially being in the play, um, adult or child or teen, any age, uh, just sign that up so she can start getting a good idea of who is interested in being in it. This is not promising you a singing solo, okay? We got to make sure you can sing. We're not going to do that to everybody, all right? And so, uh, anyway, just sign that up if you're interested, all right? Praise the Lord. Go ahead, Mom. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, everybody. Guess what time it is? It's happy time, and if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand, and our wonderful ushers will be more than happy to to give you a tithes and offering envelope. Not only that, but this is the third Sunday of the month, and this is Missions Sunday. So we will also be receiving our missions offerings. So make sure that on that envelope that you write really plain missions if you're giving into missions, because if you don't, it goes in the general fund, okay? So today... Our verse for uh, tithes and offerings is our theme verse for the year. So it's Luke 10, 2, which says, wait till it gets there. There it is. The harvest is great. Jesus said this, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now stop and think about just, let's just talk about Barstow for a minute. Let's just talk about your neighborhood. Let's just talk about your workplace. How many Christians are there? That means we have a job to do, right? Because people need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. These are the last days. And the name of the game is to seek and to save those who are lost. 
which is most of the people that are around us. Amen. I want to talk about uh, Pacific Justice Institute. It's one of the, the missions uh, the, uh, areas that we support financially. And you think, well, that's kind of an odd thing to support, but no, it isn't. Pacific Justice Institute is a legal organization that for free, pro bono, helps Christians when they have certain things that are going on in their lives um, where the government or, or anybody's school districts are coming against them. Let me give you two examples. Um, this past year, there was an 84-year-old woman who was in a, a veteran's home, and she'd been there for a long time, and she always taught a Bible study. But Cal Vets decided that she couldn't teach her Bible study anymore. And so Pacific Justice went to work for her, and guess what she's doing now? She's teaching Bible study in the veteran's home, okay? You got that? Pro bono. Okay, and then there was another little boy, 12 years old. I heard his testimony this morning from the state of Washington. So he was sitting in class, and they were talking about sexual stuff and talking about how you can have sex, da-da-da-da. So this little 12-year-old Christian boy spoke up and said, no, you can't, that's not right. You have to wait until after you're married, and you have to do it with a person that you know, you're married to and no different sex stuff. They kicked him out of school because he spoke up in class. So then after a while, he got back in school, and then they kicked him out again because they, he was, this was a different class, different teacher. They were talking about Proverbs, but not biblical Proverbs. Well, he spoke up and quoted a proverb from the Bible, and they kicked him out again. Well, guess what? Here comes Pacific Justice. And guess what that little boy's doing now? He is at back in school, and he's telling everybody about Jesus. And he's preaching the gospel everywhere he goes. Amen? That's the name of the game. See, we don't need to be intimidated. So if something like that were to happen to you, like your children at school, you at the workplace, things like that, you know, we will you know, contact uh, President uh, Brad Dacus of Pacific Justice Institute, and they will take your case. Amen? Because, we, you know, you, we can't lay down and play dead, all right? We got to fight, right? And so we fight in the spirit, but we also have to do some things in the natural, like when it comes to legal things. We're not going to lay down and play dead and let the enemy roll over believers, okay? We're going to stand up, and we're going to get our rights the way we're supposed to. Amen? All right, you like that? So that's why we support Pacific Justice Institute on a monthly basis. Good stuff, huh? All right. Well, let's stand up and we'll say our financial faith confession. And you can come on up with your tithes and your offerings. Hallelujah. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Isn't he worthy? 
when I was in school, if you knew the answer, you just raised your hand. Amen. And so if you know the answer today, raise your hands and we're going to surrender to Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We praise your name. And Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. But Lord, more than anything, we thank you for who you are, Lord. You are our Savior. Lord, you have saved us not only from hell, but from every other bad spot we found ourselves in. You always make a way for us. And for that, Jesus, we love you and we praise you. And we ask today that you would have your way in this service. I pray that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, that we would have hearts that are soft and ready to receive the seed of the Word of God, Lord. And we're just saying in our lives, God, have your way. Give us the truth, Lord, because we know the truth will set us free. We love you and we praise your name today. You are good in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I love what King David said in the Psalms. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. And so uh, I love that passion that we have for being here. Amen. Thank you, worship team. You guys did a great job today. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go ahead and start getting into the word of God this morning. Uh, who knows what we've been talking about for uh, the last couple weeks since the new year started. Okay, let's, uh, clearly we need to review. Uh, the harvest is great. Amen. That's, the, that's what we've been studying, that the harvest is great. Amen. And so uh, if you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one and you can kind of follow along uh, with where we're going on this. But the theme for High Desert Word Center in 24, because every year we seek the Lord about, you know, what direction, what is the main theme? What is the main main goal for this year. And I would encourage you in your own life to do something like that. I think it's a very bad game plan in life to just wander aimlessly and hope for the best. I found out that you get much better results when you have a game plan, when you're very intentional and you have a target that you're aiming at, okay? And so good game plan for your life, great game plan as a church. And so uh, the theme verse this year is Luke 10 We use that at the offering today, but let's Let's go ahead and look at it here in the NLT to open the service, Luke 10 and verse 2. It's on the screen right there. But this was Jesus speaking to 72 disciples that he had just sent out. And so they go out and they're, I mean, they're doing ministry work. They're bringing people into the kingdom. Uh, they're laying hands on the sick. They're casting out devils. But here's what Jesus told these guys before he sent them out. Luke 10 and verse 2, these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And so Jesus says the harvest is great. Well, what is the harvest? Are we harvesting wheat, corn, you know, potatoes? What's the harvest? No, it's people. The harvest for Christians is a harvest of souls that we are getting to go into the kingdom of heaven. That's the harvest. And so Jesus said, listen, the harvest is great. What does that mean? That means there is no shortage 
of hurting and hopeless and helpless people that need Jesus in their life. And if that was the case 2,000 years ago, just by surveying our current society and looking around, would you say that the harvest is still great? Is there still a lot of hurting people that need to receive Jesus into their lives? Have you seen that? And, you know, we could say a verse like this, and and someone may say, the harvest is great. Well, where's it at? Man, go down to Walmart. Go to the parking lot down there, dude. Go down to Food for Less. Go go to Jack in the Box. They're everywhere. There's people that are hurting. Go to work tomorrow morning, man. I promise you, there's somebody down there that is searching for answers. And you have the answer. It's Jesus. He's the answer to every situation that we face. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so I promise you today, you may not even realize it, but you have answers that people need. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit today. And and so uh, we've got a few points we're going to make. But one thing that I'm convinced of is until you have the revelation in your heart that heaven and hell are a very real place and people really do go to those places, until you genuinely understand that eternity is a real thing. It is never ending. Uh, You will have no uh, motivation. You'll have nothing compelling you to go out and help people find Jesus. And until you realize that not everybody goes to heaven. And I know that seems like a, why would you say that? It's the truth from the Bible. You don't just automatically get to go to heaven. You have to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's one way there. And someone would say, well, there's many roads that lead to Rome. That's cool for Rome. There's only one road that leads to heaven. And it's Jesus. Amen. And so that has to compel you to help people out. Anybody in here, you could raise your hand and say, Jesus changed my life. Come on, I know you guys, you were a mess. Come on, I was a mess. (laughs) We were a mess. We were nuts. We were crazy. And Jesus came in, amen, and saved us. He changed everything when we called on the name of the Lord. And so let's get into the message today. A few things we're going to say. Number one is this. Number one, eternity is real. Eternity is real. Does anybody in here today know that eternity is a real thing? And so what is eternity? Well, some of you know, some of you may not, but literally the definition of eternity is a state to which time has no application. A state to which time has no application. It is literally timelessness. You cannot really count eternity in any way. And, you know, we try to, we try to make it understandable. And so you'll probably hear me say things today like a hundred billion years. And, and, you know, we're trying to prove the point that it's a very long time. But in all reality, eternity is never ending. You cannot put a number or a beginning date or an ending date on eternity. And this is hard for all of us to understand because everything that you can see in this world had a beginning at somewhere. 
I mean, this building was, at one point it was made. You can go look at the big trees. And at one point, they were a little seed and they grew up. Somehow, some way, they had a beginning. And all the things that you see have an ending to them as well. And so our human mind has a very difficult time comprehending the concept of eternity. And as people, you know, you've heard us say this, but as a human being, you are made up of three parts. Well, how do we know that? Well, there's several verses, but just one you could write down. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It tells us that as a human, you are a spirit, soul, and body. The human is a three-part being. And this would also make sense because we know that God is three parts. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And in Genesis 1.26, we are told that you are made in the image of God. If God is three parts, then as a human, you're also three parts. You're not the Holy Trinity like he is, uh, but you are a Trinity, a three-part triune being, spirit, soul, body. Now, here's the deal, and it's this, is that most of us focus on the temporary part of who we are, and that's the body. That's the only part that you can see. You can't see your spirit or your soul. You can see your body. Now, your body had a beginning point. You were all born. Anybody you remember being born? Really? Okay, thank you. Yeah, we got a couple. All right. So, uh, no, you don't remember it, but you were born. We have very solid evidence that at one point, You were born and entered into this world, okay, at some point. And here's the thing. As a human being, your body, again, the physical part of you, it has an expiration date. This thing is going to die, and it's going to age. And, uh, you know, you start to feel some of these uh, changes of aging. As you get a little bit older, you know, I start to get these gray hairs, and the kids are like, Dad, how'd you get that? And I always say, you gave these to me. This is your gift to me. Amen. For every morning when I try to get you to school on time and you don't want to go. Amen. I love it. It's my favorite thing. But there are our bodies age because they are inching closer to that expiration date when we're going to die unless uh, Jesus comes before that time and we go and this thing called the rapture, which we strongly believe in. And so the unseen part of you, though, okay, check it out. Your body is going to live, let's just say, 100 years being generous, okay? Your body may live 100 years, and someone would think, wow, that's super long. The spirit on the inside of you, the Bible refers to it as the heart. Your spirit, listen, it's going to still be in existence 100 billion years from now. It will still exist in one of two places. It could either be in heaven if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you reject Jesus, your spirit, it'll still exist, but it'll be in hell. And so the question is, why does everybody focus so much on the temporary part? I want to show you a verse today in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. Amen. We're going to tackle, you know, kind of some deep things today, but I hope that you'll listen and pay attention. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. Who's glad they came to church today? Amen. I'm glad you're here. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we're going to look here at verse 11. Ecclesiastes is right after the book of Proverbs. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3 In verse 11, this book was written by Solomon, King David's son. 
And the scripture tells us that Solomon was the wisest person that's ever lived in the history of the world. A very wise, wise man. But Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11, he says something here that I need you to see. He says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Here it is. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Now, someone may say that they don't really care about eternity or the afterlife. Listen, people say that they're lying. They do care. And inside of every single person, God has planted the seed inside of every human heart, the seed of eternity. And everybody, whether they'll admit it or not, you've got some very stubborn people that'll say, oh, no, that's, no way, I don't think about that. I don't care about that. I'm going to party in hell someday. No, 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 no. Listen, people say dumb stuff like that, but really, inside of their heart, God has planted the desire for heaven. Everybody, even if they won't admit it. And so in every human heart, there is a God-given awareness that there is something more than this shallow world. It's there. There's a God-given awareness there. And with that awareness of eternity comes a hope that we can one day find a fulfillment provided, amen, beyond the vanity and shallowness of this world. And so I, I, I saw a sermon illustration that I thought might be helpful for you today. And so I'm gonna do something, I hope this, speaker doesn't feedback. I'm going to turn my mic off because it might feedback. All right. Now I want you to give me your attention for a minute here today. Okay. So what we have here is a really, really long rope. Now let's just say for the sake of argument that this rope is never ending. I mean, I can keep going and going and going with this rope. And this is a really long rope. FYI, it's 100 feet of rope. But anyway, and so, well, let's just pretend that this thing is never ending. Now, let's also, for the sake of argument, pretend that this rope represents your existence, both in this world and eternally. This is your, the existence of your life, all right? Not just 2024, but 3,024, 10 million 24. This rope is never ending. This is your life. Now, for the sake of argument, let's say that this red part is representative of your time here on earth. Now, in the grand scheme of things, how short is this compared to This is nothing, right? This little three inches of red, the red part is your life here on planet Earth. Now, the crazy part is this, is that the overwhelming majority of people only focus on this little tiny piece and don't focus or think ever about all of this. That's terrifying. That's, that is that is absolutely scary and crazy that you're going to exist for this long and all you ever think about is what can make you happy here. And so, so let's see, you're born here, 
You worked for 30 or 40 years, and then this brings you to this point, and all of your focus, all of your attention is so you can spend this last little inch of life on whatever you think is going to finally make you happy. You can finally get that RV. You can finally travel. You can finally have enough money. You can finally eat the food that you really want. Really? That's all you're going to focus on is this. Do you think that sounds pretty stupid? Do you think, and, and there's people that they make all of their decisions based off of this And then there's people, some in this very room, that make all of their decisions based off of this right here. They're going to say, you know what, this would be fun, but is it going to affect this? And then there's people that would say, ah, this is going to be fun, I don't care if it affects this. They'll just listen. The craziest part of all is, what you do during this segment determines how you will spend this segment right here. Why in the world would I risk all of this for two inches of fun and excitement and pleasure and fake false fulfillment? There's a snag in the rope. Uh, Why would I risk all of this for the sake of this? That's eternity right there. And where you're at right now, amen, is in this little short piece of time. And when it's gone, it's gone. You cannot get it back. Eternity is a very, very real thing. And so I challenge you, the decisions you make shouldn't be based off of the little red part. The decisions you make should be based off of the endless part that will never, ever end. That'll change the way you look at life. I can promise you that right now. That'll change the way that you make decisions. And so I'm going to get on to point number two here, and it's this. And someone would say, oh, man, wow, what are you talking about? Number two uh, is this, is that hell is real. Hell is real. This is the least popular topic to preach on or ever discuss because everybody wants heaven, but nobody in the world wants to hear about hell. And I don't like to talk about hell. I don't like to think about hell. I don't like to say the word hell. I don't like to spell the word hell. But I know this much, hell is a real place. And I also know through reading the four gospels and the book of Revelation that Jesus literally talked about hell more than he did heaven. And that's, uh, I mean, that's, again, that's not a very encouraging thing to say. But the truth is, is that hell is a real place. But there's also this truth that it's totally avoidable. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to go to hell. In fact, it's super easy to not go to hell. How do you do that? You receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen? And and, and so Jesus undeniably warned us about hell and how to avoid it. I heard this story uh, the other day about a teenage girl that was a new Christian. She had just received the Lord as her Savior. She was on an airplane with an atheist college professor. And so he sees her reading the Bible, and he's like, oh, here we go. And so he asks this teenage girl, you, do you believe that? Yes, she said. He, he just kind of, you know, rolled his eyes at her. And, and he said, okay, what about that whole Jonah and the whale story? Do you believe that one? Yeah, she said, I, I believe it. It's in there, so I believe it. And he's like, okay, well, then how did that ever happen? And she says, well, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'll find out when I get to heaven someday. And so the atheist professor says, 
well, what if Jonah isn't in heaven? What if Jonah's in hell? And then she said, well, then I guess you'll have to ask him for me. (laughs) All right. Luke chapter 16. Let's go to Luke chapter 16. All right. Amen. I have a feeling I know some teenage girls that would be that bold. (laughs) Luke chapter 16. Amen. Luke 16. And we're going to look at a well-known story in scripture of Lazarus and the rich man. It's called Lazarus and the rich man. And, uh, and, and so we're going to read this whole thing here. And this is a very real story that we need to get a hold of. So Luke chapter 16, and we're going to look here at, uh, well, starting at, at verse 19. Luke 16 and verse 19. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. And you're like, well, purple, what what does that have to do? Well, back then, okay, uh, you were rich if you could afford, uh, you know, a a fine purple fabric, okay? It's not in our day and age. And so this guy was loaded. He was royal. This guy was really, really rich. And so at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. And you read this story like, oh my goodness, this is awful. Well, verse 22, finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Can you imagine? I mean, this is just an awful thing to even picture. But this guy that had it all. In this world, in the little red part of the rope, this guy had everything. Now here he is. He's not having Lazarus beg from him. He's begging. Just let Lazarus dip his finger in water. I'm not even asking for a cup of water. People always say, yeah, well, people in hell want ice water. I'm sure they do. But people in hell would be glad just to have a moist bit of water touch their tongues. This guy is in torture. And he's saying, please, Lord, uh, please just let Lazarus have a little mercy on me and dip his finger in some water. I'm in anguish. Look at verse 25. But Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. And so if you think like, well, I may go to hell, but maybe there's just some next thing beyond that where I, if enough people pray and, and burn enough incense and do enough things, maybe they could just float me on up to heaven. No, it doesn't happen that way. When you're there, that's your final destination. There's no going back and forth between the two. Verse 27, then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, 
Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brother can read whatever they wrote. And so in other words, they've got the Bible. That's, you know, at that time, they didn't have the full Bible, but they at least had the Old Testament. And so Abraham says, let them read. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. And who knows that somebody did end up rising from the dead and they still aren't listening. (laughs) Right? I mean, that was very, I mean, he called that out. He's like, no, 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 no. Why is this? Until the Lord gets a hold of somebody's heart. Because I always hear people say things like, man, you know what that guy needs to see? He needs to see a miracle. That would change his heart. I can guarantee you. If he saw the blind eyes opened, that would change his heart. And I'm like, well, maybe. But I know this much. If somebody has a hardened heart, even seeing the dead raised, they won't believe in it. And so... Maybe some of you used to be that way. Maybe you know somebody right now, and you're like, why can't they see it? It's so obvious. Well, 1 Corinthians tells us that Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the hearts and minds of those who refuse to believe. Some people, they're just straight up blind. And not to sound rude or, or cruel, but imagine you had a blind person standing here, and you're like, can't you, just, can't you see all these people sitting out here? Why can't you see it? It's so obvious. Well, your eyes have been opened. You once was lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you can see. The blind man, he still can't see it until his eyes have been opened. And there's some things to you and me that make perfect sense. We totally get it, how Jesus can give us peace, how Jesus can change our lives. We get it. But to them, their hearts are hardened and their eyes are blinded by the enemy. And no matter what, until their hearts have been softened and their eyes have been opened, they just don't see it and they just don't get it. And so in this story, right here, man, imagine this story that some of the people who seem to have it all in this world, there's people that you see on the internet, you see on TV, and you're like, man, they've got everything. They've got money, they've got fame, everybody likes them, and they don't mind to flaunt it and flex it and everything else. Some of those people will be the lowest of the low for the next billion years, and some of the people that seemed so insignificant will be royalty and, and honored for the next billion years. And I say years knowing that really there's no ending to this ever. Eternity never, ever ends. And so I don't like to talk about hell. It's probably my least favorite thing to talk about. But I do know if Jesus talked about it, we have a duty and an obligation to not ignore what Jesus was talking about. And people always ask this question. Well, if God's so loving, then why is there even a hell in the first place? Man, I heard Billy Graham put it this way. I was watching him this week. He said it like this. Hell was not ever made for humans. Hell was made for Satan and his demons. And, and you need to know this much that spiritually speaking, there's two teams, all right? There's God's team 
and there's the devil's team, okay? Let's just get real. Jesus' side, the devil's side. And so someone, a lot of, a lot of you have willingly chosen, you know what? I pick team Jesus. I'm, I've made my decision. I'm on team Jesus. And then there's some people that flat out say, no, I don't need all that stuff. That's a crush. That's for losers. They straight up pick the side of the devil. And then there's some people that they just don't ever make a decision at all. Those people, by default, have chosen the wrong team. Because unless you choose Jesus, unless you call on the name of the Lord, then you are not on his side. And and you're like, well, it doesn't work that way. It works that way. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Joel put it this way in the book of Joel, chapter 3. He said, thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision. They're just waiting. I'll make a choice someday. I'll get around to it. But it's right there that the day of the Lord shall arrive. And if you don't make a choice, you've made your choice. And it's not Jesus. And so hell wasn't created to torture people. It, it, was, it, was, it was made to torture Satan and, and his demons. But some people, even though it wasn't intended for them, they stiff-arm God and they choose to go there. And I've heard it said this way, that nobody that's in hell can ever say, God sent me here. You chose it. And nobody that's in heaven can ever say, I put myself up here. No, no, no. By the grace of God, you surrender to Jesus. His grace and mercy got you there. It was not how good you are. And I even find today, even in our realm, that there's people that sit in church and think that just by going to church, they're going to go to heaven. There's people that think, yeah, man, I volunteer down at the homeless shelter. I help feed the poor. Uh, you know, I donate toys to the foster agency at Christmas time, like High Desert Word Center always does. I, you know, I help out with these things. And so I'm a good person. If you are relying on your goodness to get you to heaven, that's not good enough. The prophet Isaiah said, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. You could take the best stuff, gather all your good stuff you've done and present it before God and say, hey, this is my best stuff. He's going to say, I'm sorry, but that's like an old oily rag off the mechanic shop floor. That's not good enough. Yet the person in this room that's committed felonies and had bad things happen in their life, but has surrendered to Jesus. They've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Though their sins were as scarlet, they have been washed as white as snow, spiritually speaking. And I've found this much. It's pretty easy to get a very bad person saved, to be honest. You know, we could hit the streets today, and there's plenty of people that have lived a bad life, and they're like, oh, I know it. I admit that I've been bad, and I need redemption. An even scarier spot is somebody that's lived a pretty good life because they're counting on how good they've been. I've never stolen anything. I've never told a lie. I've never, you know, committed adultery. I've never, I mean, I'm a pretty good person. I think God should let me into heaven. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's not about how good you are. It's about have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Look it up, man. Look it up. It's a real thing. And so I want to get on to point number three because I'd much rather talk about this. Heaven is real. 
who knows today, <laughs> that heaven is real. It's not just some place, you know, that, that we made up to bribe you to be good boys and girls. Heaven is a very real place. And so in the story that we just read in, in Luke 16, we saw hell, but we also saw heaven. And heaven is, I mean, it, we're going to look at some details about heaven, but the Bible gives us a certain level of insight into heaven. Just be honest with me. Do you ever think about heaven? It's about accurate. Okay. And so most people don't really ever think about heaven. Uh, and that's sad because they only think about the little red part of the rope that we looked at. And they're like, heaven, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to eat lunch at today. You know, but heaven is a real place. And I'll show you in a little bit that the Bible says you should be thinking about heaven all the time. And so I, I do. I think about heaven and, and the reality of it and that I'm going there. And I honestly, I can't wait to get to heaven. And I know some people are like, man, I, I want Jesus to come back, but I'm so afraid of what I'm going to miss out here on earth. Like, I'm not, dude. Take it all. You can have every little bit of it. When I'm gone, you know, any of you can have my house, my car, my pets. It's yours. You know, my bank account. I flat out do not care. I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus and the angels and, and David and, and, and Abraham and Moses. And, oh, I'm excited. I can't wait to get there. And somebody said it this way, like, you can't threaten the Christian with death. Huh? What are you, threaten me? Scare me? What are you, are you serious? I'm like, dude, I mean, I'm not trying to die today, but if I do, hey, don't feel bad for me. Can't feel bad for me being in heaven with Jesus and mansions and streets of gold and a river of life. When I'm gone, man, y'all better have a celebration and a party. I want a full out. I mean, uh, you know, cater it. Have a big old meal. Just party the day away. Don't feel bad for me. I'll feel bad for you, but don't feel bad for me. I'm ready for this thing. I'm excited about heaven. Heaven is going to be incredible. And for every Christian, that's the finish line. That's the big target is heaven. And I'm not turning there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul has a vision of heaven. In fact, he says, I don't know if this was a dream or if I literally went there, but before he actually ever died, God gave Paul a glimpse of heaven. And, and he, he writes about it in 2 Corinthians 12, and he says, I saw things that I can't even describe. I experienced things that no human is allowed to even tell about. And I'm just telling you that in heaven, there exist things that even if you saw them, you couldn't come back and tell us because there's nothing to compare it to. There's colors that exist there that don't exist on earth. There's sights and, and sounds and, and smells that, that are beautiful that don't exist in this realm. And you can try to come back and tell us about it, but we would, none of us would be able to comprehend it. Now, I, I found this fascinating. A, a pastor named John Burke did a decades-long study. Of, of, he, he, he reached 1,000 people. And he wrote a book about it. It came out a few years ago. And the book is called Imagine Heaven. But he did this, this, uh, this study for a, a couple of decades 
where he tracked down and interviewed a thousand people, 1,000 that had either died and been resuscitated medically or had had uh, an NDE. That's a near-death experience in the medical world, an NDE. And so he tracked down people from all walks of life, from from uh, bank presidents, college professors, uh, uh, surgeons, all the way to janitors and, and garbage men and, and just everybody you can imagine from nearly every continent. And so a thousand different people that had confirmed either been dead and revived or had an NDE. And so he, I mean, very thorough study of a thousand people and he gets all their information and he starts finding that out of these thousand people that have never met each other, never heard of each other, never talked to each other, all thousand of them, their stories all aligned and had pretty much all of the same details for after they died. Now, in a court of law, if we can get two or three or four people to all agree on the exact same thing, if there was a, if there was a, a traffic accident and three different people on three different corners all said, yeah, here's what I saw, in a court of law, we would call that irrefutable evidence. Now, a thousand people from every different continent that have never met or collaborated, all saying, yeah, we saw the same thing. I don't know what we would call that, but that would be beyond irrefutable evidence. Listen to me. Whether you want to believe it or not, when you die, that is not the end for you. That is only the beginning. The Bible tells us about this, and literally at this point, even other people and someone could argue, but I would say even science can back this up that when you die, it's not over. It's just beginning. The real life is just beginning at that point. And so I'm going to take a few minutes this morning to talk about heaven because I found out that even in church, most people haven't ever really read that much about heaven. And the Bible does give us a few details about heaven. Not as much. I wish that it told us a little bit more about it, but we're going to look at a few things here, a few facts about heaven. And one of the most interesting facts, I know this is something I kind of recently learned, but one fact about heaven is strangely, men will arrive in heaven approximately 30 minutes before the women do. It's a scripture on that. Here it is, Revelation 8.1. When the lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke, everybody. That's a joke. That's a joke. Okay, I didn't make the ladies happy. Okay, we could reverse that and say it was the men. All right, whatever. All right, but let's get for real here. We'll talk for real for a few minutes, all right? This much we know is true. Is that, Rollo, that was good. All right, thank you. All right, so <laughs> we know this much. There are mansions in heaven. I'll just give you the reference here today. There are, there are mansions in heaven. John 14, Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you? Even so, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, there where I am, you may be also. And so Jesus said in John 14 that there are mansions in heaven, and he's going to prepare a place for us. Now, in the United States, I looked this up, for 
for a, a home to technically qualify as a mansion, it has to be about 8,000 square feet. That's a pretty large house, 8,000 square feet. And, you know, one time a few years ago when I was a teenager, I was watching Cribs. That was a show on MTV back when, you know, back when I was, you know, still relevant. And, and so I was watching this, and, and they showed Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. They, they gave a tour of his Miami house one day. His house was 64,000 square feet. I'm like... That's a pretty big, I mean, that's, you know, you could live in that little place. You could, you could figure it out if you, if you really tried hard. 64,000 square feet. That's huge. But I'm thinking, man, if Shaq, you know, I love him. He's a good guy. If Shaq could do something like that on earth, imagine what God has prepared for us in heaven. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart could fully tell what God has in store for those that love him. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. And now I'm going to, you could write these down. These are going to, I don't, they aren't on your outline, but something else you should know about heaven is heaven is huge. Heaven is really, really big. Now let's look at Revelation 21. We're going to look at a few verses here. Revelation 21. Amen. Hallelujah. I see a lot of you fanning yourselves. That's good. I, I feel like I started preaching about hell and everybody kind of got hot for a minute. I don't know if that's the case or if the HVAC is just really kicking butt today, but it was, you know, it's, it's, it's hot. All right. So let's go to Revelation 21 and we're going to look at verse 16. So this is obviously right towards the end of the Bible. And this is some information about heaven that we should know about. Revelation 21. And, and verse 16, and this is the Apostle John having this revelation, and an angel is uh, showing him heaven. Verse 16, it says, when he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. And so heaven is a city, it tells us. It is the exact same dimensions. It's as wide as it is long, as it is high, 1,400 miles. That is a very, very big city. And so imagine heaven that, you know, from uh, just, just from ground on up, you know, whatever the cap is on this, imagine that a, a commercial airliner flies about seven or eight miles above the ground, seven or eight miles, heaven 1,400 miles from the bottom to the top. This is a huge huge, huge city. And we also know this much. Another thing you could jot down if you're taking notes is that heaven is very fancy. Heaven is very, very, very fancy. And people are like, man, I don't like gold. I don't like blah, blah, blah. You may not like heaven then. Revelation 21 and verse 18. Verse 18. And so John is seeing all this. It says, the wall was made of jasper. And the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. Now, whatever the best gold is we have here on earth, it's got some flaws and some taint to it. But in heaven, the gold is so perfect. It's as clear as glass. Look at verse 21. Verse 21. It says, the 12 gates were made of pearls. Each gate from a single pearl. That is a very large pearl. 
<laughs> think about this. This is huge. And so how do you describe this if you've seen it and try to tell a bunch of people down here? They, they, they wouldn't understand it. They'd be like, you're lying. You're bluffing. There ain't nothing like that. There's no way. Well, in heaven there is. And so each gate from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold as clear as glass. Now, there's no way we could even estimate what one block of heaven would be worth. But, you know, I, I, I at least looked this up the, the other day. As of Friday of this week, gold here where we live is $2,029 an ounce. If anybody has a couple ounces of gold they'd like to send my, you do? Okay, send it, bring it in, bring it in, we'll take it. Okay, no, but listen, I just think about this. $2,000 an ounce, if we were to just go off of our standards, what would one city street, what would one block, what would one little piece of heaven be worth down here? We, you can't even put a number on it. God, your Father, who loves you and provides for you. We look at someone down here and think like, man, it'd be nice to be as rich as Jeff Bezos. It'd be nice to be as rich as Elon Musk over there. Listen, those guys are nothing compared <laughs> to what God is. Nothing. They would be the poorest of the poor in heaven. And I'm not intentionally putting them down. I'm just saying, you've got no idea. It would blow your mind if you even knew this much about who God really, really is. We know in part and we see in part. We, we know a little bit about God, but nobody fully understands everything there is about him. And so he has made heaven a very fancy place. But I want to say this about heaven, and this is my favorite part about heaven. Anytime I read Revelation 21, look at verse 4. Revelation 21 and verse 4. And this is my favorite, one of my favorite things I should say about heaven. And it's this, is that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. All pain, all sorrow. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. It's all gone forever. That's a beautiful thing to think about, that he will erase all of these things forever. And there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I always like to share, and he said it this way. I think this sums it up the best for any of us. He said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Every person in here, you have a desire somewhere in your heart that nothing in this world can satisfy. You have a need and a desire placed in your heart by God that nothing on earth will ever be able to answer or satisfy. And you know why that is? It's because you weren't made for this place. You were made for heaven. But again, we have to choose Jesus we have to choose him. And so I'm going to get to point number four today, and it's this. Point number four today, and it's this. What are you doing to prepare for it? What are you doing to prepare for eternity, for heaven? What preparations are you doing? And, you know, we always ask people, if you go to a financial advisor, or even when we do marriage, you know, advice for people, you always ask, okay, 
What's your one-year plan? What's your five-year plan? What's your 20-year plan? Now, there's a whole lot of people that have a 20-year plan, but what's your 300-year plan? What's your plan for 500 years from now? What's your plan for 1 million years from now? Well, I settled that long before I settled my financial endeavors. Those are good things. But my 1 million year plan from now is to be in heaven with Jesus, to be with my family up there. I want every single one of them there. I want to be in heaven. I will not care about anything else. And so the question is, what are you doing to prepare for heaven? One last verse today, and it's this, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I hope today that we've got you thinking a little bit, that we've caused the the wheels upstairs to turn a little bit. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And the question is, what are you doing to prepare for your eternity? Colossians 3, verse 1. And the Apostle Paul says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Can you say this with me? My real life. Say it again, my real life. And so are we saying that this whole thing's fake? No, but what we're saying is it's insanely temporary. My real life is not here. My real life is hidden with Christ in God. And as we said earlier, most people are just thinking about this little red segment of it all. The Living Bible puts it this way. You can put this on the screen. The Living Bible, it says, Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. That says it perfectly. My real life is in heaven. Now, when we talk about all this, I know some people may not feel it, but I get very excited when I talk about heaven. I enjoy life here on earth. I've got a great life. I'm a very happy man, very joyful man. But I'm more excited about my real life than I am this one. And though I'm excited, I do get scared for some people, though, because I know people that aren't ready for for death. I know people that aren't ready for eternity. And I think about it this way. Imagine that you were in a situation like the Titanic going down. Okay, it seems extreme, but imagine you're in a very extreme situation and you're on a big ship like the Titanic. The ship is going down. You made it into one of the lifeboats, okay? There's a few lifeboats. You made it in, but you're sitting there all by yourself, ready to just cut the ropes and fall into the water or ready for the big ship to sink. But there's still 50 more seats around you. And you see people scrambling and and scared and terrified. What do you do? Do you sit there thinking, thank God I got a seat. Wow. Would you be content knowing that you are saved? That you are going to make it? While you see all these different people scrambling that are hopeless? Yet there's plenty of room. 
You just got to guide them, get their attention, get them to the lifeboat. Are you the type of person that's okay to say, you know what? I got mine. I got my ticket. I got my seat. I'm good. Or are you the type of person that, 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 that terrifies you? Like, no, I, I'm glad that I'm okay, but they're not. What do I do to get them into the boat? What type of person are you? There's some people that they don't take any of this that serious. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They got a ticket. Woo, I'm going. But wouldn't that just crush you on the inside to watch that whole thing sink with all those people? And you knew, like, I couldn't have saved all of them, okay? And God's saying, I know you couldn't save all of them. You could have saved 49 others, though. You could have, saved, you could have done something for them. And I said this last week in, in the sermon, God's not asking you to personally save everybody on earth. We know that. But he is asking you to reach who you can reach. And so anybody could say, well, I can't get them all. Okay, you can't. We know that. But you can get some. It's like that little boy on the beach tossing the starfish back in, right? And the old man says, what difference did it make? There's 10,000 more. And the little boy says, yeah, whatever. It made a difference to that one. And so I'm telling you today, man, yeah, you, I, I'm telling you now, if Billy Graham couldn't personally reach everybody on planet Earth, I consider him the best evangelist ever other than Jesus himself. If Billy Graham couldn't do it, we know you can't reach every last person yourself. But there's probably 20, 30, 40, 50, depending on who you are, maybe 1,000 people. Who knows? That God has called you to reach. And maybe you can't force them in to the lifeboat before this all goes down. But you can at least make every effort to say, danger, danger, get in. And so that's kind of where I'm taking us today, and it's this, okay? Eternity's real. Hell is real. Heaven is real. Are you ready for it? If not, we need to fix that. And if you are ready, what in the world are you doing to help other people? If that doesn't terrify you, that people you know may not go. If that, if that doesn't just eat you alive, I don't know what's wrong, man. Yes, I do. You don't have the reality that this is all real and it's not just something we read out of a book. This is very, very real. And so what I'm doing this year, what we are doing as a church is we're saying, Jesus, you were right. The harvest is great. The workers are few. Lord, I'll go out to the field and work. And so if you're here, man, and, and, and you're like, well, I can't preach. Hey, if you're working up there in the nursery so that single mom can come in and hear the gospel for an hour once a week and not have to worry about her children, you're working the harvest field. If you're coming in here and vacuuming this giant sanctuary, everyone's like, it takes a very long time to vacuum this, whether you realize it or not. It takes hours just to vacuum this. If you're in here vacuuming saying, you know what, I, I can't preach, I can't sing, I can't. If you can come in and clean God's house so somebody can come in to a clean place and not have to worry about seeing dirt and, they could, and their mind could focus on the gospel, you're out there in the harvest field helping bring in the harvest. If it, it, whatever it is that you're doing, 
to help maybe some of us preach the gospel, or you're out there. Some of you are called to preach, okay? Some of you are. Maybe you are, maybe you're not doing it, okay? Some of you are literally called to preach, and you're not doing it. Some of you maybe aren't called to be on a platform preaching, but you are called to help bring in the harvest some other way. We all have a part, but here's the thing. We just got to get out there into the field. And when we all do our part, we're going to see something awesome happen right here in Barstow, okay? Right here before Jesus returns, because there's a day coming very soon, whether you believe it or not, where we are going to hear a trumpet sound. And we're going to look up and the skies are going to part. And we're going to see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, descending out of heaven, calling all of his chosen ones to heaven with him and saying, it's over. I'm getting you guys out of here before it goes down. Amen. We got to be ready. The day's coming. Amen. All right. Praise God. We're going to go ahead and wind it down there today. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together this morning. Praise the Lord. Man, I know we got kind of serious today. Usually we like to tell a few jokes, make some laughs. I did tell the jokes. I didn't get any laughs, but here's the thing. All joking aside, this is a very serious time period that we live in. It's very, very real right now. And I would be wrong. I would be a fool. I would be judged by God if I didn't take every chance that I had to make sure that you have things right with the Lord. And so every service, you know, you may get tired of hearing this. That's okay. Because I never know. You know, we used to go fishing when I was a kid. We still go out at my dad's lake, but I'm not great at fishing. Every now and then I catch something, but I know this much. You throw it out, and a whole lot of the time, you just reel it in and don't get anything at all. Then you throw it out again and reel it in, nothing. But maybe every fifth, tenth, twentieth time, you throw it out there, and you reel it in, and you got something. And that's what we do when we preach. I understand, you know, that we're just throwing it out there, the receiving is up to you. It's up to you. And I would challenge you on something I said today. Don't rely on your own goodness to get into heaven. you got to rely on Jesus. There's a Bible, two Bible verses. I'm just going to quote them real quick, and then I'm going to give you the chance. But Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I challenge you today. We're going to pray a prayer together. If you will confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. You can know that you've got things right with God. And so can we bow our heads and close our eyes? We're going to say a prayer together today. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give the Lord some praise today? And so, listen, as we were doing worship a little bit ago, I'm going to say this publicly. The Lord put something in my heart, and, and it's this, is that 
if you'll agree with me as, as pastor here, uh, it's in my heart. I want to believe God for 100 salvations at this church this year. Does anybody have faith with me that we could see 100 people give their life to Jesus? And when I say that, I'm not just saying, repeat this prayer. No, I'm talking about people getting born again giving their life for real to Jesus and connecting with discipleship and really, really, really getting born again. That's my heart and that's my desire. There was 56 people last year. I want to see 100 people this year give their life to Jesus. Not so we can toot our own horn or anything, just so we can say, man, the harvest is great. And we did our part this year to bring it in, all right? Listen, if you prayed that prayer just a minute ago, and you meant it, okay? You weren't just blowing smoke and trying to get me to shut up so you can get down to KFC. Listen, you said it and you meant it. Listen today. This is Jose right here coming on up. And Jose is in charge of our spiritual personal trainer program. This is a program that we have uh, to help you really live for Jesus. If you prayed that prayer today and this is your time that you have finally received Jesus, or maybe this is your time where you're coming back to the Lord. Maybe you walked away, but now you've walked back. We, what we will do is for the next 30 days, we will connect you with somebody else from church here. They're going to they're gonna text you a Bible verse and a devotion. They're going to pray with you every day. They're going to mentor you for 30 days. Think about that. Wouldn't it be incredible if you went down to the gym and they're like, we'll give you 30 days free and a free personal trainer. And listen, this doesn't cost you anything. Church doesn't cost you anything. Listen, this is something that we want to do because we actually care about you. And I don't want you to just say a prayer and walk out the door and never think about Jesus again. I want you to live for him and bring more people into the kingdom of God. If you're here and you could say, hey, this is my moment of getting right with God. As we are praying for other people, come see Jose. He'll get your information. And this week we will connect you with somebody else that can help mentor you for the next 30 days. Pray with you, encourage you, and get you connected with Jesus. Don't be ashamed to do it. Don't say, well, if I walk over there, someone might see. Good. Jesus said, if you will acknowledge me in front of people, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me in front of people, I will have to deny you before my Father in heaven. Never be ashamed that you have received Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to have my prayer team come on up today. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, come up and any one of these people can pray for you. We want to watch God work in your life. If you want a spiritual personal trainer, go see Jose. And I ask everybody else, give God four or five more minutes here. Be reverent as we pray for others. And, uh, and let's just worship God for these final few minutes. Amen. Let's go. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle
The stone was moved for good before the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who'd come 
to the Father are restored and the church of Christ was born and the spirit lit the flame now this gospel truth of old shall not be shall not faint by his blood and in his name and his freedom I am free for the blood of Jesus Christ who has resurrected me praise the father praise the son praise the struggles with that, man, come talk to us. We want to help you. You matter. You're valuable. You're very, very important to Jesus. You're very, very important to us. We love you very much. And I believe that God brought you here today to hear the word. Amen. All right. Can we give the Lord one more hand of praise? Amen. Well, we have service tonight at six o'clock. And uh, if you signed up for FPU, that is at 5.30, and it'll be in the other building, Victory Hall, right next door. And even if you didn't sign up but you're interested, come at 5.30. It runs from 5.30 to 7, and it's a great chance to learn about finances, but biblically speaking. Amen? It'll be very, very good for you. All right, let's close in prayer, and then you can be dismissed after our faith confession. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God today, Lord. And we are very aware that eternity is real, Lord. But we also know that hell is real and heaven is real. And we thank you, Jesus, that your desire is that we could be in heaven with you 
forever and ever and ever. And so, Lord, I pray for each person here that if they have not made that decision, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is tugging on their hearts, God. You're standing at the door of their heart and you are knocking and saying, let me in, I'll change everything. I pray that we would all listen and receive you. And now, Lord, I pray that you would use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go, that we would show the love of Jesus to everybody that we come across. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody say amen today? All right. We're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow, and then you can be dismissed. Let's do it. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you tonight.